Why is child sexual abuse such a global problem? And what can we all do to help protect and heal children at risk? You're listening to Brave New Girls podcast, where we help you with the health of your body, mind, life and the world around you. I'm Lou Hamilton, artist, author and podcast producer, and my mission is to give you simple steps to heal yourself, help others and create a healthier planet. So if you're interested in being part of a world where children are free from abuse, have a listen to this week's guest, Pooja Taparia, who co-founded ARPAN, India's largest non-profit organization, working to eliminate child sexual abuse. In this episode, we find out the extent of the problem, what's being done to prevent it, and how we can help give our children a safer world to grow up in. Welcome, Pooja, to Brave New Girls podcast. Thank you. So thank you, Pooja, for coming on the show. This is a really important, as you say, global problem. And I'm going to ask you how we can prevent it and what we as individuals can do to help with the work that you're doing. But first, there's some sort of pretty horrific statistics, which I'm going to read out. So in the US, the estimated lifetime economic burden of child sexual abuse is 9.3 billion. And in the UK, it's estimated at 3.2 billion. 50% of the 1.3 billion people in India are experiencing some degree of child sexual abuse. So this is a massive problem. Can you give us an overview to what your organization, ARPAN, is doing to address this problem? You very rightly said that it is such a massive issue and world over. You spoke about statistics of the US and even in the UK or actually every country in this world is dealing with the issue of child sexual abuse. The economic burden could vary, the statistics could vary, but they are still very high. For instance, in India, we see, based on National Child Abuse Study in 2007, that one in five children in India experience severe sexual abuse. And that's horrific. And that became one of the motivations for me to start working on this issue because I believe no child deserves to experience sexual abuse. It can cause so much trauma that lasts a lifelong, impacting a person's life forever. The guilt, the shame that can continue to impact an individual if not heal. Child sexual abuse has varying degrees of social, physical, sexual and psychological impact. As children, their academic performance can get affected. One can see increased aggression or a lack of confidence. A huge dip in self-worth, inability to trust people, even promiscuous behavior or insomnia. And other kinds of post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms as well, like anxiety, depression, substance abuse, suicidal ideation, the list is endless. And therefore, the need for all of us to address this issue of child sexual abuse as a society, because children deserve happy childhoods and no child should experience this. And with this motivation, seeing this kind of impact that it can have on children and adults who've had lived experiences as children, I began the journey of Arban 17 years ago. While the work started 17 years ago, in 2006, it was in 2003 that Arban started as a project to offer back. 
So the idea was to give back to society and see how we can help people. What Urban is trying to do is focus on the prevention and healing of child sexual abuse. The way we do it is we go into schools and teach children life skills, understanding differences between safe and unsafe touches, understanding it's never your fault if something like this happens to you, understanding and recognizing who can you go to for help if you are in an unsafe situation. And keep telling that person till you get the help you need. These are some basic concepts that we work on. And even in an unsafe situation, if you have the courage to say no and get away, that's even better. We work with children right from grade 1 to grade 12, telling them and helping them understand these really critical life skills so that they can participate in their safety. It's age-appropriate. With young children, we work on very basic concepts. With adolescents, we talk about internet safety. As today, there's a lot of online child sexual abuse happening. And so the need to make even internet spaces, online spaces safe for adolescents and children is very critical. We also talk about healthy and harmful relationships with adolescents. Post the lesson plans, we do individual sessions with every single child to understand if they've had any experience of sexual abuse. And if they share that, then our counselors step in to counsel the child, to stop any ongoing abuse and make sure there is no future threat to re-victimize this child again. So we work with the family, develop a safety plan and continue the therapy till all the impact of sexual abuse becomes absolutely negligible. That's become um, an absolute flagship program of ARPA and it also incorporates training parents and teachers on how they can be vigilant and how they can prevent child sexual abuse as adults and as primary caregivers of children. We've taken this program and now squealed it in the country. Currently, we're working in six states, training teachers to teach these concepts of personal safety skills so that it reaches every single child in India. And so at any given point of time, in every year, we're training close to 40,000 teachers across the country so that a couple of million more children get personal safety education. We've also focused on curriculum integration so that children across the country get it. So at a state level, we are trying to put it in state curriculum as well as at the national level, we've been successful to put it in India's first ever life skills curriculum, which is now going to millions of children across the country. The work also of Arpan focuses on healing even adults who've been through sexual abuse as children. So we've worked with hundreds of adult survivors so that they can get on to their healing journeys and overcome the trauma that they've been through and live lives happier and thrive in their lives. So prevention and healing are two areas of, of focus that we have. An interesting work that we're also doing is working with young offenders, adolescents who indulge in sexual misbehavior. We provide counseling and therapy to them so that they don't repeat the same offense again. So this is an overview of what Arban's been trying to do. We've reached over 3 million children and adults so far with our work, and we are counting. There's potentially a lot of shame and maybe guilt for children and people who have experienced child sexual abuse. How have you managed to see and realize or research that this is on such a big scale across the world? 
There have been a number of research studies that have been done in the West and in the global South, both global North and global South, which talk about the incidences and the statistics of child sexual abuse. A number of non-profits have done studies and so have universities done studies. Dr. David Finkelhor started a lot of research work in the 1980s in the U.S., he is associated with the New Hampshire University in the U.S. and runs the is the director of Crimes Against Children, the center that works on that. And he's published a number of research studies talking about the issue, what are the external and internal inhibitors that lead to the issue of uh, to lead to child sexual abuse happening, and bases all the researches that have happened so far. We've been tracking that and looking at how these numbers have been growing in countries across the world. ARPAN has a research and monitoring evaluation tool that focuses on trying to understand how is the issue evolving globally as well. So it sounds like you're doing some really good work in schools. When we were filming in India, we were filming as part of a, a charity that it helps children to, to learn to read and write. And there were lots of children who weren't able to get into the school system for whatever reason. And so they were being taught to read and write on street corners. How do you reach those children who aren't in the school system? For the moment, our focus is only on children in the school system. And as for the latest ASA report published by Pratha, 98% of children in India are in the school. And hence, our focus is to reach that 98% first and then get to the 2%. And, and I'm going to go into more detail with you on prevention, how we can work on that globally as organizations and in the systems that people are living and working and learning in and how as individuals we can look out for these problems and help. But first, can we go back to you as a child and give some context to who you are and, and why you're doing what you do. I've always been a very lively child and I've always taken interest in volunteering during my school days. I would be very enthusiastic to contribute to collection drives and raising money for the underprivileged, the blind, knocking people's doors and going and asking for two rupees. And then when I came into college, I also volunteered uh, at the SPJ Sadhana School that works with the uh, mentally challenged, uh, the specially challenged. And so I taught art and office skills over there. I was always enthusiastic to participate in co-curricular activities in both school and college. I stood for college elections for the president of the student council and I was elected as the president in 1997. And so I think I also demonstrated leadership as a student too. I've always been creative, I think, thoughtful, sensitive. Mature for my age. Yeah, I would say that. So you had your a career as a graphic designer and that you, at a certain point, talked to your guru and he suggested that maybe this was a time to start giving back to society. So can you talk about what that shift was in your life? It's a very interesting story. Gujarat had experienced a massive earthquake in 2001. The whole Kutch area in India had got devastated. 
For two years, my guru's organization worked on building two whole townships to give people back homes and a community. And it was during a discourse that I heard him say that we serve people for our own emancipation, not to oblige them. And that really struck me. I was like, wow, yeah, that's so true. We do service or we do seva to not oblige them, but that we ourselves receive so much in return that it helps our journeys, our own spiritual journeys and our own emancipation. And with that, the idea came of starting to do something to give back to society. I always felt I was very privileged and it's therefore my duty to do something that I can be of use to society. And so I got some friends together and in October 2003, we would go to either shelter homes or old age homes and once a month do some activity with them. So either it was to either celebrate festivals like Holi or Diwali and Christmas or it was to distribute let's say, woolens in winters or provide for food or take the kids from a shelter home for a movie to the theater, doing some volunteering activity or the other. So it started with that. And the name Arpan came from, my guru would always talk about Arpan as well because it, mean, it means to offer back. It's a Hindi word. And so I gave it the name Arpan Making Little Differences. And so this is how that, how that journey of Arpan Making Little Differences started. And what made you decide to focus on child sexual abuse? So this was 2004. And I think September 2004, if I remember correctly, I used to love watching plays, theater. And so I remember going for this play called 30 Days in September it showcased the trauma of what an adult survivor, a person with lived experience, had experienced sexual abuse as a child. And that left me very affected. I was actually shocked. I came out of that auditorium thinking, if there is a play on, this needs to be a social problem. And I was also wondering, why is it that a person like me, coming from a very educated family, went to a very liberal school, grew up in a city like Bombay. How come nobody spoke about the issue of child sexual abuse? And so I went home totally motivated to find out more. So I started to research on the internet more about the issue. I wanted to understand more. I also wanted to know, are there any non-profits working on it? Is the government doing something about it? And to my surprise, I found that there was hardly any work happening at that time. Also because it's such a tabooed issue. It always takes so long to talk about such issues, right, in our society. Usually they get all silenced and under the carpet. And I called for resources. I read up more. And the more I read up, the more fascinated I became. And I also realized that as a child, I had had some experiences myself. And so it was also a moment of catharsis for me and making meaning of what had happened and how it had impacted me as an individual. But at that time, I was very caught up with my graphic design work as well. But somewhere I felt the seed was sown. And I thought that, okay, someday I might want to do more about this issue. And then in June 2006, we did our first awareness talk on the, child, on the issue of child sexual abuse. During my research, I had met this person and she said, you seem very interested. And someday if you want to work, I can help you. And she had experience working on this issue. 
So I said, okay. And then that's how we connected in May, June 2006. In May 2006. And then in June, we started this. And I said, okay, let's give it a shot. Before we go on, I'm just going to press pause for a moment to acknowledge all you brave new girls, guests and listeners for the stellar work that you do in the world. Please do download our podcast planning workbook if you want to launch your podcast this year. You can find it on our website services page. Now back to our guest. Though I don't know much about this issue, I've only read about it. And then in the next six months, we went to schools. We went to Rotary Clubs, conducting awareness sessions with parents and teachers. In December, because she was a counsellor, she said, I can start working with providing therapy to survivors of child sexual abuse adults primarily. And so she started that. And then we decided that we'll formalize this relationship in a couple of months. So then I started raising money. I think somewhere in 2007, I knew that uh, this was my calling that this is what I was meant to be doing. Because the more I read about it, the more I saw a positive response from people wanting to understand this more, I felt like, this is it. Like It just felt like such an ikigai moment in my life. And then in November 2007, I set it up as a public charitable trust. And from then on, we began to, 2008 onwards, began to focus only on the issue of child sexual abuse. It's interesting that you say that you did have a positive response when you started. I was uh, filming for um, a charity on child sex trafficking called uh, Love 146. And as part of this short film that we made, um, we had a young girl standing in the streets of London in different locations. Her dad was hiding very close by, so she was completely safe. But she was wearing a bright red dress and she was holding a banner, Can You See Me? And we were so shocked to, to see and witness everybody walking past her. And there was only one person that turned and looked at her and it was a young boy. And he, he obviously could see this child with this sign. But everybody else completely oblivious to this child with a massive sign saying, Can You See Me? And so how with something that is so taboo and something that people, they don't want to think of it as such a big problem. Everybody is busy with their days. How do you get people to address and see and be aware of this issue that's hiding right under their noses? I think it's just important to bring it right in front of their noses. And so to conduct a session, get people in the room, they can't hide anywhere, right? And make it, make it their problem. I think it's important that we relate it that, oh, you're a parent, you have children, this is what can happen, this is the impact it can have. So it's a concern, it's a concern for all of us. And I think making it every, everyone's problem is important. And not just a parent, but as a society, because... We as individuals form this society. And if 25% of us or 50% of us in our country are getting affected by something like this, it needs to be everybody's concern. And so I think inspiring people, motivating them to know more, to do something about it has been the approach. So whether it's been parents, teachers, schools, education, health systems, uh, policy level people, donors and funders, uh, it's 
it's going and telling all of them about how critical this is to address and we need to do something about it. It's one thing starting a, a non-profit organization. It's quite another thing growing it and funding it. So how have you managed to do that? Sheer grit and perseverance. <laughs> I'm unstoppable. I will find a way. If one door closes, I'll open another one. If that closes, I'll open another one. But I'm somebody who's, once I've made up my mind that I want to do this, then there's just nothing stopping me. And so I think it's just been that, just the ability to be continuously perseverant, to pave a path where there was none, to scale an organization, and making it one of the world's largest nonprofits addressing this issue, I think it's been sheer grit, determination, and perseverance. Building a team, addressing the very many challenges of not just working on this issue, but also of growing an organization, people's issues, all kinds of things, right? But it just felt like the right thing to do. And today also feels the same way leading a team of 140 people. And so how have you, with the sort of knowledge that you that has grown over time, how have you developed the programs? The programs have been built in such a way that we are able to create more awareness and more training. And I would like to, instead of using the word awareness, I would say training because it's actually educating people. It's building their knowledge. It's building their skills. It's helping shape attitudes. And it all seats with that belief that we all want to protect our children. And so here's, let's understand how we can do that. And it's also with the spirit of actually building a movement. Imagine as we speak, there are hundreds of villages in India, in small schools, where a chart is being held up by a teacher that shows the private parts of a child. And a teacher is teaching these are private parts and it's not all right for anybody to touch, look at, or talk to them. Or a teacher in the classroom, that village teacher telling children, it's never your fault if something like this has happened to you. Or that you can say no. Imagine in a society, culturally across the world, nobody teach, teaches children that you can say no. But here there are thousands of teachers across this country teaching millions of children, you can say no. If at that time you can say no, you can't say no, think no, someday you will be able to say it. And so we're creating a movement that is going to build a generation of children that are empowered, that are assertive, that understand their rights, that are participating in their safety, saying no to abuse and standing up for themselves. And I think that's huge. And how, how have you manage to evidence the impact of what you've done and the shift in behavior, the, the change in society? We've been continuously doing evaluations of our programs, right since 2012. Earlier, they would, we were doing pre-post tests, then we got an external agency to come in and do interviews with children and adults who've been through the program. As we speak, there's another evaluation happening, a uh, number of evaluations done to check whether children are retaining concepts, are they applying skills in an unsafe situation. 
I'll give you an example. We did a qualitative study in 2017 with a group of schools where we had trained their teachers and those teachers were regularly teaching personal safety to children. We interviewed 33 children. Eight of them said they had faced unsafe situations and all eight of them said they were able to demonstrate assertive behavior and get away from that situation and tell somebody about it. So there we saw success of our program. One of the external studies we did in 2014, 100% of the children remembered the program and 9% who said that they had faced an unsafe situation, 90% of them were able to seek immediate help from their trusted adult. So there are very many studies that we are continuously doing to check efficacy and impact. And for us, success means that a child is able to apply the knowledge skills in that unsafe situation and prevent child sexual abuse. And so what's your vision for the future? How do you want to grow this? I want to see every single child empowered, every adult empowered to be able to prevent child sexual abuse and heal every person who's affected by it. I know it's an enormous vision, but I think it will happen someday. And I'm focused to make this a reality and work every day towards it. I want to see children happy, playing around, and having joyous childhoods that are not impacted by sexual violence or any kind of abuse or sexual abuse. And are you focused mainly on India or are you looking to spread it globally? For the moment, our book is focused in India, but in a couple of years, we will be able to start working in other countries as well. India is just so huge. It's as big as 30, 50 countries put together. So it's got us all wrapped up at the moment. If that means that we can all take responsibility in whichever country we live in, whichever community we're in, in our own families, where we live. What would you say that we can be on the lookout for? What can we do to help prevent it? What can we do if we feel that there might be a, a problem? How can we help as individuals? I think that's a great question because I feel everybody has the power to make a difference. A couple of things that I'd like to suggest is one is that let's be vigilant. Even simple things like if you see a child alone with an adult or a much more older person, just asking a simple question of, hey, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, You know, helps people be alert. Um, Or if it is a relative that's come to your house and uh, the child is playing with that relative or a friend, just being around and asking general questions if they are in a room alone, popping in and saying, hey, what's going on? Uh, What are we doing? So I feel that being vigilant at all times helps. The other thing is I feel that we all need to be knowledgeable. We all need to understand the issue and what it means and What are the symptoms one can look out for? So as a parent, if you see a sudden change in behavior in in your child or you see a change in academic performance or you see a change in complaints of uh, any physical or pain that a child could be complaining about or if a child is suddenly having more nightmares than usual, these are all symptoms to ask questions. I'm not saying that it's definitely sexual abuse, but it's important to look out for changes that are sudden and find out what's going on. 
And I think the most important thing is having open communication channels with children. And that just gives, goes a long way in addressing so very many issues and including sexual abuse. If we have healthy relationships with our children or we've been able to create safe spaces where children can feel safe to come and talk to us about what's going on, I think we can help them and we can help protect them from sexual abuse. Most often we hear from children is that I wasn't able to tell my parents because I was afraid how will they react or that they will blame me or that they will get angry at me. And if we can address that, then I would think that we could all go a long way in protecting children from sexual abuse. And the other thing is that we believe that once it has happened, time will heal and children will forget about it. That's one of the biggest misnomers we live with. Nobody forgets about it. Yes, time helps to accept it and to deal with it to some extent, but the trauma doesn't go away. The brain has captured it, absorbed it, stored it. And the way trauma works is it will impact our attitudes, our behaviors, and the way we look at the world and our relationships. So unless we've addressed that trauma, the impact is going to be lifelong. And so I want to let everybody know that if you have been through it, or if you know your child has been through it, please reach out for healing, counseling, and therapy. It's the most beautiful journey of empowerment that can truly free a person of the shame, the guilt, the pain, the anger, all the impact that a person could be going through. If we're all ready to address this issue in society and to call it out where it happens both the children and adults alike how do you define courage yeah I love this question of because for children I would say courage I think would be not worrying about how parents will react going ahead and sharing what happened and seeking help I would say that would be courage. Who uh, are thinking no, and someday they will build the courage to say it. That would be amazing. People with lived experiences, survivor, taking the journey of healing, going for therapy, building resilience and working on that and continuing in therapy. I would say that would be huge courage. Because a lot comes up and you need to be able to continually deal with it. But having the courage to heal yourself and thrive would be so beautiful. For me, like I mentioned earlier, for me, courage is just sheer grit and determination, not giving up no matter what. Continuously trying and getting what we want, reaching where we want to reach and persevering to be able to do that continually. I think for me and my team, it's that. For listeners, I would say is that we all listen to a lot of things, but we can all play our part. And I feel courage would be acting on it. Let's go and do something about it. Empowerment is a journey. Coming assertive is a journey. I think we need to make the intent to take that journey. Thank you so much, Pooja for showing us the huge emotional and financial cost of child sexual abuse in our society and for all your work in educating, raising awareness and fighting for the right of every child to be safe 
and protected. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lou. It was wonderful to have this opportunity with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Take care and keep up the great work. Thanks, Pooja, for showing us how we can all help protect the children of our world so that they may grow up free of abuse and hopefully go on to become healed and healthy stewards of our planet. You can find out more about Pooja's work on www.rpan.org.in and follow her on LinkedIn at Pooja Taparia. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's story inspired you on your own Brave New Girl journey. If you need further support, head over to www.bravenewgirlmedia.com.